0: Welcome to NTD Evening News. Our top story tonight, a bloody rampage in the Czech Republic. A gunman found dead after opening fire at a university in Prague, killing at least 14 people and injuring dozens of others. We have the latest updates. Will there be another ceasefire? A senior official in the Palestinian Authority had talks with a certain Middle Eastern country to help try to end the war. Meanwhile, Israeli troops continue to keep the pressure on Hamas terrorists. Jason Perry reports. Harvard's embattled president is in hot water again, and it could become a problem for Harvard. The university's board finds more duplications in Claudine Gay's work. And a House committee wants answers. Entity's Arlene Richards follows the developments. AN ESCALATING WAR OF WORDS, FORMER PRESIDENT TRUMP HITTING BACK AT PRESIDENT BIDEN AFTER BIDEN ACCUSED HIM OF SUPPORTING AN INSURRECTION. IRIS TAU HAS THE LATEST FALLOUT OF THE COLORADO RULING AND A NEW MOVE BY SPECIAL COUNSEL JACK SMITH. HOUSE LAWMAKERS REPORTEDLY MOVING CLOSER TO IMPEACHING HOMELAND SECURITY SECRETARY ALEJANDRO MAYORKAS. THIS AS SOME REPUBLICANS TALK ABOUT REMOVING PRESIDENT BIDEN FROM 2024 BALLOTS. ARIAN PASTAR BRINGS US THE UPDATE. FORMER TRUMP LAWYER RUDY GIULIANI IS FILING FOR BANKRUPTCY PROTECTION JUST DAYS AFTER HE WAS ORDERED TO PAY NEARLY $150 MILLION TO TWO FORMER GEORGIA ELECTION WORKERS. TOP MILITARY OFFICIALS FROM THE U.S. AND CHINA ARE SPEAKING TODAY FOR THE FIRST TIME IN OVER A YEAR. This, as reports surfaced, that Chinese regime leader asked President Biden to publicly support China's plans to take over Taiwan. What's the White House saying about their conversation?
1: This is NTD Evening News. Live from our NTD global headquarters in New York City,
2: here is Tiffany Meyer.
0: Good evening and thank you for joining us tonight in the Czech Republic. At least 15 people are dead and dozens wounded at a university in Prague after a gunman opened fire on campus. Police saying that the shooter likely died by suicide. Officials announced today that the country will observe a day of mourning on Saturday for those killed.
1: There is no justification for this horrific act. Like many of you, I feel deep sadness and disgust in the face of this senseless and brutal violence. We are doing everything we can to provide assistance to the injured, their families and the families of the victims.
0: The gunman was identified as a 24-year-old student. Police say he first killed his father at home before going on a rampage at Charles University, the very school he attended. The shooting took place at 3 p.m. local time in Prague's Old Town District, where tourists often stop. Police said the shooter could be the same person who killed a man and his child in a separate incident last week. As of now, authorities are still looking into his motive. Israel Defense Forces continue to keep the pressure on Hamas terrorists in the Gaza Strip, reportedly killing thousands of them so far. But through it all, Hamas is still showing itself willing and able to fire rockets into Israeli territory. NTD's Jason Perry has the latest on the war.
2: Israeli forces in Gaza City destroyed what they called the network of underground tunnels in Hamas's elite headquarters. Meanwhile, Israeli forces remain in close-quarters combat with terrorists in the Gaza Strip. According to the Hamas-run Ministry of Health, approximately 20,000 people have been killed in Gaza since the war began. And on Thursday, an IDF spokesperson said they've killed approximately 8,000 terrorists, according to the Times of Israel. And although Israel Defense Forces are making significant progress, Hamas terrorists continue to demonstrate their ability to launch long-range rockets into Israeli territory. On Thursday, sirens sounded in Tel Aviv and residents ran for cover. Most of the rockets were intercepted by Israel's anti-missile defense system, as seen by the puffs of smoke in the sky. And there were no casualties, according to an Israeli news site. But the pain is still felt in Tel Aviv.
3: Please help us.
2: We need them now. Shaili Hamami's brother, Alex Labanov, is still being held hostage by Hamas in the Gaza Strip. And his pregnant wife is trying to
3: cope without him. She every every week go to the doctor to take off herself, but she can't. She broke She needs Alex to be with her. <laughs> We need you to help us to get them home back now. We can't leave them there.
2: But will there be another ceasefire to release more hostages? Israel has been vocal in wanting a pause in fighting to release hostages, but remain firm in their plans to continue fighting the war until Hamas is defeated. On the other hand, Hamas said they want the war to end completely before they will release the hostages. On Thursday, a senior official in the Palestinian Authority met with the foreign minister of the United Arab Emirates to discuss a possible ceasefire. And according to the UAE's state-run news agency, they discussed how different countries around the world are trying to end the war. Jason Perry, NTD News
0: new allegations of plagiarism harvard's in battle president claudine gay faces a fresh round of claims that she failed to credit other academics in her published works this as the ivy league university refuses to remove her and a house committee extends its probe of the alleged plagiarism ntd's arlene richards has the latest on this developing story
3: harvard's top governing body is facing more problems It announced two more instances of inadequate citations in works published by Harvard President Claudine Gay. Gay's publications had been questioned earlier this month. The issues this time were found in Gay's 1997 doctoral dissertation. Harvard said the examples included duplicative language without appropriate attribution. The findings come in the midst of a request by Representative Virginia Fox that Harvard release internal materials. Fox, chairwoman of the House of Representatives Committee on Education and the Workforce, launched an investigation after receiving testimony about rampant antisemitism on university campuses. On Wednesday, Fox expanded the investigation to include Gay's alleged plagiarism. In a letter to Harvard, Fox hinted that federal funding could be withheld if the university failed to adhere to appropriate standards. The board didn't fire Gay after initial claims of plagiarism. Those findings include Gay's alleged use of work by Carol Swain. Swain, a black academic who studies issues of race in America, told American thought leaders Gay was dishonest. But I do care that the um, academy, the progressives, the elites, uh, that they advanced her, and I don't know that they held her to the same standard. And I think that um, it was dishonest. For her not to have given more credit to where she got our ideas from, which would have been my book, Black Faces, Black Interest. Harvard has said that it still has no plans to remove Gay from her position. The board said Wednesday that Gay would update her dissertation and that there was no violation of Harvard standards for research misconduct. The Harvard Policy on Research Misconduct states that there must be a significant departure from accepted practices. The misconduct must have been committed intentionally, knowingly, or recklessly, and the allegation must be proven by preponderance of the evidence. On the other hand, Harvard's Guide on Sourcing says this on plagiarism. In academic writing, it is considered plagiarism to draw any idea or any language from someone else without adequately crediting that source in your paper. The university's own students have called the board's response a double standard. Arlene Richards, NTD News.
0: Both former President Trump and President Biden now accusing each other of being an insurrectionist. That says the Supreme Court faces a growing list of questions over Trump's legal cases. NTD's White House correspondent, Iris Tao, has the latest fallout from the Colorado ruling and Trump's reaction. Former President
4: Trump today wrote on True Social that, quote, I'm not an insurrectionist, citing his own speech on January 6th when he told supporters to, quote, peacefully and patriotically march to the U.S. Capitol. Trump also accused President Biden of being an insurrectionist in that same post today. And that's after President Biden said this about Trump following the Colorado Supreme Court ruling that would bar Trump from getting on that state's ballot. Watch.
5: But he's certainly supporting an insurrection
4: no question about it. None. Zero. The White House today condemned new threats facing the justices of the Colorado Supreme Court following yesterday's ruling. Meanwhile, Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley today had this advice for the U.S. Supreme Court. Watch.
6: I think Colorado's wrong. I think the Supreme Court's going to shoot it down. And I think they need to shoot it down quick before anybody else thinks they want to do that.
4: And as Trump's already vowing to appeal to Colorado ruling to the U.S. Supreme Court, it is most likely that a high court will have to weigh in on this case. But the court is also facing increasing pressure from special counsel Jack Smith to immediately step in to decide on another matter, and that is whether President Trump has presidential immunity for his actions surrounding the 2020 election. Trump yesterday asked the Supreme Court to reject Jack Smith's request, saying that he's trying to bypass the normal appealing process through lower courts and quote, is trying to rush to decide the issues with reckless abandon. But Jack Smith today again urged the Supreme Court to step in immediately, saying an important decision is needed on an important constitutional question. The Supreme Court has already agreed to get a briefing on this matter on an expedited schedule, though it's not clear if its action going to take up the presidential immunity question here. Back to you.
0: After the Colorado Supreme Court's decision, similar efforts are underway in other states to remove Trump from the ballot. In California, the Lieutenant Governor wrote a letter to the Secretary of State. She asked her to quote, explore every legal option to remove Trump from the state's 2024 presidential primary ballot. A proposed bill in New York would require removing an insurrectionist from the ballot. And in Pennsylvania, State Senator Art Haywood has also asked Secretary of State Al Schmidt to disqualify Trump from the 2024 ballot. In an emailed statement to The Epic Times, Schmidt said Pennsylvania's election code does not give him that authority. He said the question can only be answered by the courts. Will the U.S. Supreme Court weigh in on Colorado's ruling? Joining us now to discuss is Gerard Felidit, senior counsel at the Lawfare Project. He's also a civil rights attorney. Gerard Felidit, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show.
5: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: To begin, what are the broader ramifications of Colorado's ruling to remove Trump from the ballot, citing the 14th Amendment?
5: Well, the decision came as a shock to a lot of people, that he was actually removed from the, uh, from the ballot. I think that what's interesting is the justification that the Supreme Court in Colorado used was actually to adopt the findings of fact of the lower court and conclude that Donald Trump had engaged in insurrection. And now that is something that is absolutely being appealed to the Supreme Court of the United States. And we look forward. We anticipate that the Supreme Court will take this case, and we look forward to seeing what they do with it
0: on the note of the supreme court how likely is it that the high court will rule by the january 4th deadline
5: well the january 4th deadline is for the court to accept the case if the court accepts the case then the decision is still is still stayed uh, pending the supreme court's determination so all the supreme court has to do is accept this case by then and then set its own timetable for briefing and arguments
0: How is that this decision by Colorado going to affect the other legal challenges that are similar from other states that are also trying to use the same amendment clause?
5: So far, these types of challenges to Trump's candidacy have been tried in a number of states to inconsistent results. Some states have allowed his name to be on a ballot, North Carolina, for example. Uh, Colorado, most notably, is the state that took it off. Uh, the, The issue, ultimately, and why I think the Supreme Court will take this case, is you don't want to have inconsistent rulings. You want to have consistency. You can't have 50 states litigating this case and each having different answers. So the Supreme Court does need to weigh in and see what constitutional issues are raised and resolve them in order to have a consistent answer going forward.
0: And in terms of the Supreme Court, there's been some predictions. Some people are saying it's going to be 9 to 0, 6 to 3. Do you have any ideas of how it might be ruled?
5: I think that the ruling will be, by a vast majority, if not unanimous. I think the issues are important enough, when looking at the 14th Amendment especially, that the Supreme Court doesn't want to show that there's any partisanship. I think there will be more agreement on this, because we live in a time now when we are more divided than ever, and the Supreme Court needs to maintain its integrity and be uniform in what they're doing. I also think the Supreme Court, quite frankly, is going to overturn uh, Colorado. The, the issues here largely resolve from allegations that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection, but that's not something that he has ever been charged with or had an opportunity to litigate.
0: Gerard Felitti, thank you so much for your time.
5: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: House Republicans are reportedly moving closer to impeaching Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Meanwhile, some Republicans say President Biden should be taken off the ballot in 2024. That's over his handling of immigration. NTD's Arian Pasdar has an update on the border crisis.
7: The House Homeland Security Committee on Thursday released this report, saying that housing illegal immigrants in hotel rooms, canceling construction of the border wall and other measures resulted in massive overspending. A committee staffer told the Daily Caller that they're now moving swiftly into impeachment proceedings in the new year against Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Meanwhile, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis asks whether Florida could remove President Biden from the 2024 ballot. That's after Colorado removed former President Trump, despite the fact that he wasn't convicted of any crime. I mean, how does that work? What's the limiting principle for that? Uh, Why could could we just say that Biden can't be on the ballot because he let in 8 million illegals uh, into the country and violated the Constitution, which he has? Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick made similar remarks this week. Also on Thursday, House Speaker Mike Johnson sent a letter to Biden. He urges the president to take executive action to tackle the border crisis. Johnson wants Biden to end the catch-and-release policy, expand the use of expedited removal, renew construction of the border wall, and more. This comes as more than 10,000 immigrants entered the U.S. illegally on Monday, possibly setting a new single-day record high. The Democratic mayor of El Paso spoke on this situation on Thursday.
5: And No community and no country really can withstand and continue to withstand the broken immigration process that, that we look at today.
7: And lastly, Texas transported around 100 illegal immigrants to Chicago by plane this week. Governor Greg Abbott says from now on he will send planes instead of buses. Erin Pastar, NTD News.
0: In related news, President Biden and Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador talked about the ongoing immigration crisis in a phone call this morning. They both agreed there needs to be more enforcement at the border. This comes as top U.S. officials are set to meet with Lopez Obrador in Mexico in the coming days. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Alejandro Mayorkas are among those scheduled to head south. Former Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani is telling a bankruptcy court judge that he's broke. In a federal court today, the former New York City mayor is listing his debts between $100 and $500 million and assets worth up to $10 million. The filing comes days after another judge ordered him to pay $148 million in a defamation case. That lawsuit was brought by two former Georgia election workers regarding the 2020 election. Yesterday, the same judge also told Giuliani to pay up immediately instead of within the customary 30 days. Declaring bankruptcy may not eliminate the $148 million in damages, a jury awarded to Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. Federal bankruptcy law prevents dissolving of debts that come from a willful and malicious injury inflicted on someone else. China and the U.S. restarting military talks today after more than a year of silence. The White House this week gave an eye-opening response to a question about Chinese leader Xi Jinping's ambitions to take over the self-governing island of Taiwan.
8: The top U.S. military official today met virtually with his Chinese counterpart, reviving military talks after China had disengaged in retaliation against then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan over a year ago. Military communications are critical, Pentagon officials say, to prevent a miscalculation escalating into a conflict. This comes amid reports surfacing about China's ambitions to take over Taiwan. According to an NBC News report, Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping told President Biden Beijing would reunify Taiwan with mainland China, but that the timing has not yet been decided. She also reportedly wanted Biden to publicly support the communist country's plans. When asked to confirm the private conversation between Xi and Biden, the White House did not deny it, instead saying this.
3: I think you can understand I'm not going to read out uh, uh, that that private conversation. And the president was clear with you guys and with uh, uh, President Xi that we still adhere to the one China policy. We don't support independence for Taiwan. We also don't support... A change in the status quo unilaterally and certainly not one by force. And as the president has said, there's no reason for this to come to blows.
8: The White House in the past has walked back Biden's comments on Taiwan, notably when Biden said last year that U.S. troops would defend Taiwan if Beijing launched an attack. The Chinese Communist Party has viewed the self governing island as part of its own territory and has vowed to take it by force if necessary. But the regime has never ruled Taiwan. Congressman Tom Tiffany and other lawmakers are sounding the alarm about insufficient weapons to deter Chinese
1: aggression. They're not getting some of the weaponry that they've already paid for. We need to make sure that we're fulfilling our commitments to Taiwan because that's one of the most important ways in which we can deter um, an aggressive China. The Select
8: Committee on the Chinese Communist Party writing to the Pentagon this week that recent war games simulating a conflict with China over Taiwan showed that the United States would run out of long-range precision-guided munitions in less than one week. The committee is urging the Pentagon to take more aggressive action to bolster Taiwan's defenses, arguing the urgency of the moment requires nothing less.
0: Coming up, the busiest travel season is here. Christina Corona hears from some travelers as they prepare to head out for the holidays. That's as a slow moving storm drenches California, threatening to disrupt travel. One area even saw a brief tornado. And the first ever video from deep space featuring superstar taters the cat. We'll have more about NASA's massive breakthrough in communication technology after the break. Welcome back. With the holidays around the corner, get ready for a surge in travel activity nationwide. Airports, train stations, and highways will be bustling with festive journeys. NTD's Christina Corona has more from Ontario International Airport in Southern California.
9: According to the Aviation Federal Administration, airports across the country are expected to be the busiest they have ever been during this Christmas and New Year's period. AAA projects that 115.2 million individuals will travel 50 miles or more from their residences during the 10-day year-end holiday travel period. TSA projects the busiest days of holiday travel at LAX and nationally to be December 21st and December 22nd, as well as December 28th and December 29th. This year's overall count of domestic travelers reflects a 2.2% rise compared to the previous year marking the second-highest year-end travel forecast since 2000. The busiest Christmas and New Year's travel period on record remains 2019, boasting a total of 119 million travelers. However, almost 104 million motorists nationwide are anticipated to embark on holiday journeys by car, marking the second-highest record since 2019. This aligns with the decline in gas prices nationwide, easing some financial pressure for drivers. We asked several travelers their plans for the holiday season.
10: I'm waiting for my two youngest daughters to come in from Oklahoma and um, our plans is all family
2: this year. So we're gonna, we're just gonna spend family time together. We're heading to Sacramento and then eventually on the way to Reading to have Christmas with the family.
6: Well, we usually have a nice big meal, get together, go see Christmas lights, Um, just enjoy the day. We go to church.
2: I'm excited because I grew up here, my dad lives here, so I came in today, we're gonna spend Christmas together, we're gonna have uh, Christmas brunch together, which we've always done at the Beverly Hilton and Beverly Hills.
9: Whether you're hitting the road or taking a flight, stay safe this holiday season and enjoy the festivities. Christina Corona, NTD News, Ontario.
0: As the holiday rush ramps up, a slow-moving West Coast storm is threatening to disrupt travel. There are flood warnings and mudslides throughout California, and even a brief tornado. Entity's Eileen Eng has more.
6: A Pacific storm pounded parts of Southern California on Thursday with heavy rain and street flooding, adding to hassles as holiday travel got underway. This comes after heavy rains drenched parts of Northern California on Wednesday. The Pacific storm centered offshore was gradually moving southeastward. It sent rain ashore and hit particularly hard on the central coast after sweeping through the San Francisco Bay Area. Flood watches were posted all the way south to San Diego. The city of Oxnard said in a social media post that many streets and intersections were heavily impacted. The National Weather Service issued a tornado warning for Oxnard and the city of Ventura due to a high-intensity thunderstorm, but no tornado activity was immediately observed. But Northern California's Oroville had a brief tornado that was responsible for the damage to structures and trees. The stormy weather came as millions of Californians geared up for holiday travel and finished preparations for Christmas. The Automobile Club of Southern California predicts 9.5 million people in that region would travel during the year-end holiday period. The relative warmth of the storm meant that snowfall would be mostly limited to high elevations in southern Sierra Nevada and some Southern California ranges. The California Highway Patrol Office in South Lake Tahoe said in a social media post that the storm nonetheless was, quote, making a mess, producing rain, sleet, snow, and icy roads. But ski resorts need more significant snowfall as the season is off to a slow start
9: the
0: first-ever video sent to Earth from deep space. NASA makes a significant breakthrough in communication technology. NTD's Virginia Gibson has more.
11: This historic ultra-high-definition video of Taters the Cat... Was laser beamed to Earth from 19 million miles away in deep space. In only one minute and 41 seconds, NASA received the video. We (laughs) We are
8: finally getting to a point with deep space technology that will allow us to actually fulfill the dreams of the founders of NASA and the Hollywood screenwriters as well.
11: Brandon Weigert is the author of Winning Space. He says this is a breakthrough in communications technology. He says it shows it's possible to communicate through space in near real time. They're going to take what they've learned from this experience and they're going to apply it on a longer scale
8: a larger scale to another system. So instead of a small image lasting a few seconds or a minute, they're going to then try to do uh, communications where they can relay this stuff over many, many minutes and maybe even longer.
11: NASA laser beamed the video from the Psyche spacecraft, which was floating in deep space. The satellite used laser technology to send the signal to Caltech's Palomar Observatory in California, where NASA employees hey, saw geez. Taters yeah. the Cat. You got taters? Yeah.
3: You got taters?
11: The cat's owner, Joby Harris, originally uploaded the video as a placeholder, not intended to be used in the experiment, but NASA scientists kept going to his cat video. Harris says he's proud, but doesn't want the cat's fame to go to his head. Virginia Gibson, NTD News. Coming up, what does the Colorado ruling mean for the nation in the long term? Our
0: guest today breaks down the moral and philosophical implications behind this court decision. Stay tuned for his analysis after the break here on NTD News. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, here are some today's top headlines. A gunman opened fire at a university in Prague, killing at least 14 people and wounding dozens more. The suspect is believed to have taken his own life. Hamas launched another round of long-range rockets against Tel Aviv, and Israel's Iron Dome intercepted most of them. This came as Israel said they've killed 8,000 terrorists in the war so far. America's top military official met virtually with his Chinese counterpart after more than a year of silence. Reports say the Chinese regime leader had a private conversation with President Biden about China's plans to take over Taiwan. Former Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani filed for bankruptcy in federal court. His team said he's unable to pay the $148 million in damages ordered in the recent defamation lawsuit. President Biden and former President Trump accused each other of being an insurrectionist following the Colorado court ruling at the same time, Special Counsel Jack Smith again urged the Supreme Court to weigh in on Trump's presidential immunity. What does Colorado's ruling against Trump mean for the nation as a whole and how could the ruling hurt America standing in the world? Joining us now to discuss the broader meanings behind the ruling, we have Christian Watson. He's a political and philosophical commentator and host of Pensive Politics on YouTube. Christian Watson, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. To begin, what do you make of this ruling? What do you think it means for the country fundamentally? Well,
12: I think that we have to really realize that in America, we have a runaway judiciary. You have a judiciary that has no interest in actually the principles of law and the philosophy of law. It has an interest in using law as a mechanism to further temporary political aims, and this is actually by design. If you consider what happened in the 1900s with the Progressive Era which was the single most consequential era to the future of American political order, where presidents like Woodrow Wilson and others quite literally changed the fabric of our political system and took it from a constitutional system to a centralized Prussian-style bureaucracy, You'll you'll see during this period there was this idea called sociological jurisprudence, which is more colloquially called judicial activism today, rightly, by a lot of conservatives, that has informed an entire generation of lawyers and judges and their perception of the Constitution, which then allows the rulings like what happened in Colorado, where the panel of judges basically said the 14th Amendment keeps Trump off the ballot, allows them to make these justifications in their mind. It's because they don't actually care about the Constitution. They care about the condition of society. It's judges acting as social arbiters. This is absolutely by design. So I think fundamentally it means that America is becoming less like America Every single day, because we have forgotten our founding philosophy, we have forgotten the importance of first principles, we have forgotten the importance of the Constitution, and most importantly, we have, in forgetting those things, we, we have failed to hold our elected officials and our
0: judges to the
12: standards
0: those things require. Hmm, and now in terms of responses to this move, Vivek Ramaswamy has vowed to withdraw from Colorado's primary ballot, unless Trump is also on it. What do you make of his move?
12: So I think that, again, and beyond the scope of politics, because a lot of people are talking about this move in terms of political analysis, which is absolutely incorrect, because political analysis is only good for showing you short-term things. Long-term and fundamentally, if you have moral conviction in your heart, you cannot stand by and witness evil without acting to abate that evil, but unfortunately many people do. And so I think that Ramaswamy is really showing what a morally convicted person looks like, someone who thinks as a American, as a moral person first, and as a politician second. But unfortunately, a lot of politicians would pounce on this and simply say, well, the president has legal troubles, I'm going to keep running my own campaigns. No, 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 no. The moment the system you are in deviates from the principles of this nation and becomes a tool of chaos and destruction is the moment you, if you really love America, if you really deserve the position that you want as president, need to say, I want to be in charge of this system, but I don't want to get there in a way that compromises my integrity or the integrity of the American people. So in my opinion, every candidate, across the parties, forget partisanship, across the parties should say, if this is how we're going to connect elections in America, through elite power politics, oligarchic rule, fiat from the bench, not from the people, as we were designed in 1776, then we should not partake in these elections. A single act of courage from a few candidates would have enough power to upturn the tables of this corrupt system in an instant. But few people will do this. And if you're wholly consumed in self-interest, that you can't see beyond your personal agenda for the universal harms that are taking place in America, then not only do you not deserve to be a politician, you your standing in society, in my opinion, needs to be questioned. Because if you are willing to disgrace your fellow man in such a way, I'm not sure you can be a good neighbor either. And if you can't be a good neighbor, why would I want you to be my president? That's how I see it.
0: And expanding on that note, you've said that this is a turning point for America in order to preserve America's founding principles and the very mm-hmm. foundation of this country. What do you think needs to be done next?
12: Well, first of all, I think Americans need to demand more from their politicians. The only reason this can happen is, again, because we, we exist in this culture where a lot of Americans understand politics through talking points. Well, sometimes the important stuff's going to be really boring. It will seem boring. It won't activate your emotions, but it'll actually be the most consequential thing you focus on. So we need to reorient our political focus towards a better, more sounder way of dealing with political issues that go beyond talking points that either side of the aisle wishes to hear. Number two, there are some serious philosophical differences amongst Americans in this country, but I think at the base level, the vast majority of Americans, regardless of their political affiliation, want the same thing. They want to have a good home for their family. They want to be able to work their job in peace. They want to be able to live in safe communities. There's some basic things that transcend the philosophies and the divisions that Americans have that many of us want. And so if that's the case, which I believe it is, we have to unite on that basis to demand that our system works in a way that is more reflective of the American spirit. And then number three, this is going to be more controversial. Some people need to go to jail. There are people who will, and this is going to sound spicy, but some folks need to go to jail or they need to lose their power, because if there are people who are willing to abuse their power in such a way and do so in such a, in such a way that is a wanton disregard for any kind of morality, you have to ask yourself, okay, it happened to President Trump, but it didn't start with President Trump, and Americans need to recognize that, and some people need to get fired, you lose their job, get impeached, and some people need to go to jail, and Americans need to demand that in order to restore the integrity of our system.
0: Christian Watson, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Coming up, Christmas may not have arrived yet, but preparation for the famous Times Square New Year's Eve party is in full swing. See what essential item just arrived after a trek across the nation. And in college football, more reports of discontent in the ACC, but how feasible would it be for Florida State to leave? Dave Martin joins us to discuss when we return. Welcome back, Christmas hasn't arrived yet, but preparations are already underway for the massive Times Square New Year's celebration. Let's take a look.
10: Most of us are still focused on the rapidly approaching Christmas holiday. However, many others are preparing for the massive New Year's Eve celebration on Times Square. The giant 2024 numbers just arrived ahead of the upcoming festivities, ready to make their Broadway debut.
2: Like all great Broadway shows, we have understudies. So, what you're looking at is the understudies making their debut in Times Square, the two, zero, and two. They will not be up there. We're just going to be hoisting the floor up, and they'll be on standby just in case they need to jump in for the performance.
10: The early unveiling of the numbers is a popular event. Not everyone wants to brave the live crowd of around one million spectators.
3: I come out every year because this is one of my favorite days of the year. I love that I can count down Happy New Year with the numerals before New Year's Eve. I don't have to be out here in Times Square on New Year's Eve. As a local, we try to avoid this place like the plague.
10: Many people look ahead to the New Year with positivity and optimism.
3: It's a tradition. I do it every year. Awesome. Why? I'm starting off the new year with um, hope, joy, love, good perspectives.
10: Everything is being prepared in anticipation of the big celebration next week. The future promises to include a new and better experience.
2: In 2025, we're going to be welcoming a brand new experiential one time square uh, that the whole world can enjoy 365 days a year.
10: In case you can't attend in person or watch the festivities on television, Here's a sneak peek.
0: Five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! And now for your sports news, we're joined by NTD's Dave Martin. Dave, more news today out of Florida State, where the university has reportedly called for a board meeting tomorrow to discuss their future in the ACC. What's behind this? You
1: know, I think it's them getting snubbed for the college football playoffs. You know. From their comments in the media, you get the feeling that they think because the league isn't that strong, it really hurts their status as a big-time football program. Now, I will grant that with Clemson having a down year and them not playing Notre Dame, it certainly didn't help their strength of schedule. But I think it's a double-edged sword. I mean, would they have been undefeated in a Big Ten that includes Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State, or an SEC schedule with Georgia or Alabama? I, I, I have... I find it hard to believe they would. Now, we'll find out about George in a couple of weeks when they play them in the Orange Bowl. But even with that, the committee said that if their star quarterback hadn't been injured, they likely would have included them. Now, they were already reportedly unhappy with the ACC before this because the league has fallen way behind the Big Ten and the SEC in terms of revenue. Uh, maybe this was just the final straw, though.
0: Now they, like every other ACC team, have signed over their TV broadcast rights to the conference for the duration of their media deal which ends in 2036. So what options do they have?
1: You know, I'm curious to find out about that as well, you know. As you said, their media grant of rights belongs to the ACC for like the next dozen years. That's what binds every big conference together nowadays because it's been legally ironclad. You know, you can leave but if your TV broadcast rights don't come with you, your new conference will get no new revenue. It's still to the ACC. Now, all those teams that recently left the Pac-12 and the two that left the Big 12 coincided their exit date with the end of their conference's TV deals. That's the only way to do that. Now, all that said, the ACC also added Cal, Stanford, and SMU next year. Some people believe they did that thinking that some members would soon leave. So maybe the conference thinks there is some legal way out of this. I think we'll just have to see.
0: Meanwhile, in baseball today, some rule modifications were added, including one that widens the runner's lane to first base. Is this a significant change?
1: You know, it seems like it. Uh, I think it depends on the, how the umpires are actually going to call it, though. You know, what they've done is at about two feet all along the fair side of the first baseline that the runners can run in. Previously, you were only supposed to run in the dirt or you risked being called out for interference. Now, this isn't like an out-of-bounds call in the NBA or the NFL. This is a matter of interference, and it sounds like they would only consider calling it if you were out of the lane and it interfered with someone trying to throw you out, mainly the catcher. And even at that, it sounds like it's still a judgment call by the umpire. Now, this rule has caused plenty of arguments in the past because it's a judgment call. I'm still not convinced this solves it, so we'll have to see how it's actually implemented during the season.
0: And now shifting gears to the NFL, the league is adding a tug-of-war competition to their Pro Bowl activities lineup that's been overhauled recently. What's the reason for the changes?
1: You know, I think it's just to spice up the events around the Pro Bowl because the Pro Bowl itself really is not that entertaining. You know, it's the NFL's all-star game, but of course, who, who wants to play full speed and get hurt playing a meaningless game? It's not really worth it. Few players then actually want to play it. It's not very intense. So much so that they've actually turned the Pro Bowl itself into a flag football game instead of tackle to entice more players to play. Now, to help fan interest, they've added a bunch of skills competitions to show off these players' talents. The tug of war is probably something for the the linemen, I would guess. Now, ultimately, I don't see any of these changes being enough to move the needle a bit. Uh, the, I, I think the league just wants to have an all-star event like every other sport, but it's hard to see how it will ever be as popular as the rest of the season.
0: Well, Dave, as always, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tiff. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Good night.